All right, today I had the opportunity to go and check out Green School New Zealand. So for those that don't know, a Green School uh, is currently existing in Bali and it is a very eco-friendly school uh, and it also takes a more holistic approach to education. So it's super, super interesting. Me, myself, I don't have any children, um, but definitely looking ahead to the future, I guess, for when I eventually do want to have children. But at the same time, I'm always looking at things that like to disrupt current markets. And a lot of people like to complain about the current education system uh, and saying that it's archaic, but what are we doing about it to make it more modern or to change it? Um, these guys are doing some pretty incredible things, spending some time in Bali at the Green School there. They're popping up all around the world, uh, so it's cool to see that we're getting one here in Aotearoa uh, and especially even closer here in Taranaki. So for those that have been wanting to check it out or learn more about it, this is just a bonus episode for you guys to have a bit of a listen. This was taken as we were walking around the site today of where the school is being built, the Q&A session afterwards, and I guess a part of the presentation. So look, it's super raw. You're going to hear audio of the videos and presentations that were played. Um, so you're going to miss out on some of that because obviously you can't see the video. Uh, but a lot of the content, their goals, their ambition, their how, their why, um, and what they're up to. And then some of the questions that were asked by audience members and how they answered. Um, from how much the school is going to cost, why it costs that much, what they're aiming to do, and how they're going to implement te reo. Those questions and a whole lot more are answered in this hour and a half piece of bonus content. So have a listen. Don't forget what it is. You're listening to the Best Side Podcast. So I'm just going to give you a three-minute snapshot of where we're at, where we're going, just to set that scene. Green School New Zealand will open February the 10th, 2020. It will open with 55 students, give or take, from year one to year 11. It will open in three purpose-built buildings. Um, which will be iteratively brought onto the site, uh, those pods that Mike talked about. It will be staffed with around 11 faculty. So we will have a head of school, head of learning, we'll have three teachers in primary, three in the intermediate and three secondary school teachers. They will be awesome people. And we're really excited about trying to identify those people. The students will come from Taranaki, They'll come from New Zealand, they'll come from overseas. At the moment, we've had uh, expressions of interest students-wise from students from more than 28 countries. We know that we'll have students initially from New Zealand, we'll have students from Canada, Japan, Singapore, Australia, wherever, <laughs> I don't know, around the place. We want it to be a community of, of equals, so that everybody feels that it's their place and they can be part of a community from the outset. The faculty, similarly, we really want to have some awesome teachers from New Zealand and we've, we've had some great people apply um, because we recognise that there are awesome things happening in New Zealand and we want to embrace that and be part of the New Zealand education community. When we open, uh, 
we'll be from the outset, from day one, encouraging a community and building that community, and that's going to be key to our ongoing growth. So without further ado, I'd rather than talk to you, I'd rather Rachel tells you about where this started. And so, Rach, I'd invite you to um, do your thing. along today. Um, I hope you um, enjoyed the energy of the site today and uh, feeling um, the area and hearing from Michael the different areas and what we're trying trying to create. Um, so I have an interesting dilemma that I every time I get up and talk I end up talking on something different so I keep people like Chris on his toes <laughs> how to introduce what I'm going to talk about. Um, so I actually um, want to talk about um, rather than our journey of, of getting to this point about um, our, our journey to creating what we want to create here in New Zealand. Um, so to, to begin with um, I want to play a short video um, and this shows uh, where, where Bali has gotten to um, so I'll get you to watch this first. So there's quite a lot to take in in um, some of those, those images and, and what they actually mean to us um, at Green School New Zealand. So some of the things that we'll be creating on the land, so um, what you saw today is a sixth of the property that we have uh, where the school is being built. Uh, we also, across the road, um, have intentions to build what we'll call a green village, 
which will be 17 um, eco-sustainably built homes um, for Green School um, community. Uh, we will also have um, sections as well available for people to purchase and build their own um, sustainable homes. <laughs> we'll have a green camp um, that popped up on the video. A green, green camp in Bali is where um, people come um, to live off grid uh, for a matter of days or, or a week um, and get a taste of what the green school journey is about. Um, and a lot of international families do this before they make the commitment to come to the school like a, a bit of a taster. They also have um, schools from all over the world come and um, stay at the Green Camp as well. Um, we'll have our own permaculture um, organic gardens uh, that we'll grow and use to feed the children their vegetarian lunches um, each day. Uh, and uh, we'll also have a mindfulness centre um, which we our vision is that that will be a place uh, where people will come, that um, if uh, companies or groups want to come and live um, sustainably and they can stay in the camp as well and they can have their conferences and so forth um, at the centre, but we really want to um, bring people together and show them a, a different way of living. Um, so that's the big vision. Um, what will we have in 2020? So um, on, on the site you're at today, um, what we will have is, we'll pop up a picture of, um, there'll, there'll be three pods that Chris just described will be coming online throughout the year in term one, two and three. By term three, all three pods will be completed. Uh, we have um, another studio um, container um, room, which will, uh, we've repurposed some of the Containable from the Christchurch um, earthquake, um, their recovery. So we're repurposing them. Um, this is the teachers um, area. Um, that's part of that container um, mall. Uh, we've got the hay calf, you saw that today. That's going to be a co-working space and a place for um, the parents to gather and be together. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have the uh, first phase of the gymnasium, which will be um, basketball courts. Um, and we will get to roofing it throughout the year as well. Um, we'll have playing fields, um, and the playing fields aren't just for uh, the children. The playing fields are for the adults as well. Um, so in Green School Bali, um, the parents come together, they meet, they have their own touch teams, they have their own basketball teams, um, soccer team, they do cycling clubs, um, they do wild fitness, they do jungle runs. Um, so we envision that we'll be bringing the community of parents together as well and it's about us showcasing as parents that we're lifelong learners and that we need to look after our own personal well-being as well to be um, good citizens. Um, it doesn't just stop when you leave school. Um, there'll be a down the far end of the site, Michael um, talked about the tropical house, um, 360 square metre um, greenhouse uh, where the kids can go and learn how to nurture their own seedlings. Um, and grow them and plant them out and over the years that they're at the school they can watch them grow. Um, there'll be a bush classroom just down to the left of where you were at the river today is uh, going to be a bush classroom which is right down in the bush and the um, children have just been planting some more silver ferns in that yesterday. Um, so yeah, term, term one we will have all of the container um, classrooms available. Uh, one will also be down by the river um, so when we go down to the river, they'll have somewhere dry to retreat to, and uh, also in the summer they've got changing rooms and so forth, so they can go swimming in the river. 
uh, and we'll, we'll have the one pot available and all of that uh, for 55 students. And Chris touched on um, how many teachers that will have. So we've made a commitment for a one to 10 ratio of uh, one teacher to 10 students. Um, in year one, it'll be much better than that for the children. Um, so it's probably a one to six ratio, I think it ends up being. Um, and we will have um, in, in a week's time, excitingly, no, actually on Monday, sorry, we have Chris Edwards, our head of school starting. Um, so that's tremendously exciting for us. Chris Edwards comes from the United World College in Singapore. Um, it's the largest private school in the world. Um, he has two campuses with 5,000 students in it. Um, and when you ask him why has he turned down many other opportunities to go anywhere he would like around the world and teach, and he's chosen to come to New Zealand with 55 students, um, he, he, he talks about that he felt in himself that staying in that system um, was a failure for him to improve the world and to make his mark on the world. And that what we are doing is both visionary and necessary for the world that is ever changing at the moment and education needs to change with it. Um, so he's jumped on our walker excitingly um, and starting in two days, like I said. Um, and then also we have uh, Stuart McAlpine. Um, he's from, he's currently head of one of those campuses at um, UWC in Singapore as well. Um, so he's in, in charge of 3,000 of those students um, as the head of learning there, and he'll be our head of learning. Um, he is very worldly. Um, he um, has set up a school for refugees um, that he goes around refugee camps around the world, um, helping them to become entrepreneurs so that they can sustain their own um, lives in the conditions that they have um, upon themselves. Um, so he's uh, a very incredible man indeed. Um, so it's going to be tremendously exciting next year. Um, there will be um, intakes every term. Um, so we will have the 55 to start with, maybe 75 in term two. In term three, once we have all three pods, uh, we'll be at 100 students. Uh, and then 2021 will be about 120 students for the year. Um, at this time, it's, it's really um, like important to create this community. We're so much about um, this being a community. And Mike talked about not being the, the drop-off parent. And it, it is about when we understand people have to work, but there's ways to still bring community get together. And we've been doing that this year through planting days. We've had um, picking up the hay days. We've had stomping weeds days um, around the native trees that we've planted. So there are ways that we can still come together as a community and in mass make a really big difference on something. And this is an opportunity, um, jumping on board now, where the, these children can look back when they have their own children and say, we literally helped build that school. Um, and, and for us, it's not about providing a polished campus. It's about providing a baseline for the children to then make their own imprint on it. And it's part of their journey and that they can see the results of their journey along the way as they're doing it. Um, you might have seen today down at the river and the, and the kids have been planting down there and they've made some lovely rock 
decorations. Thank you very much, girls. Um, and, and that's part of it. It's, it's about them helping build, create, um, for them to look back on um, this amazing journey um, that they will, they will have as pioneering students. Our, uh, two uh, teachers that we have this year. We have a small discovery group running with nine children um, and this year is about discovering the region and discovering what, what Green School New Zealand will be because it's not going to be exactly Green School Bali. We have our own unique issues here um, in New Zealand and we're doing some amazing stuff. Um, there's so many uh, community groups and trusts and so forth that are doing awesome stuff. We're working who we can work, work with and how we can work with them so that we don't have to start everything from scratch. But if we can provide resources and help to, to some of these trusts and help with the predator free, we can help with um, rehabilitating the Kiwi back on Kumawanga um, and various projects, um, making our rivers um, cleaner. So there's so many opportunities here. So this year is our discovery year of working out how do we fit into this landscape here in New Zealand. Um, so the people that come on board um, now are going to have this amazing opportunity to imprint on what Green School New Zealand will become. Um, they're going to be brave people. Um, this is um, a really exciting time and um, with that um, we have to have some resilience um, this year we've had to have plenty of resilience with our little group. We've had challenges from the Ministry of Education to New Zealand Qualifications Authority to Council. Um, but it's been an amazing time where everyone has come together um, and every challenge has just brought us tighter and tighter in a really close-knit group. So that's what we hope we'll achieve when everyone else comes on board as well. Um, and we believe that these challenges um, are real life, um, that nurturing the student or the child too much stifles the creativity, that when you, when you leave school, there are problems that you'll face, and we'll all face problems. And it's about how do we build that resilience and that creativity when we face a problem. We look into our toolbox and go, how do we deal with this? And if we've faced them before, one, we don't give up because we know there's a way around it and we can find a way around it. So that's very much the philosophy of Green School New Zealand um, is that we don't know what jobs are going to be available for our children. Um, and if we don't know what jobs are going to be available, why are we teaching for a job? We need to teach for their own skills. We need to build what they're good at. We need to let them be passionate about what they're good at so that they can get better at it. Um, so they can go into any environment and say this is what I can offer you in this environment because this is what I'm good at. So Green School graduates very much know themselves um, and they know how they learn um, and they have a deep passion for the earth and for being of service. Um, so we're always trying to give back um, and, and make the world a better place. Um, we, we talk about failure as, as merely an obstacle to success. So with every failure and you find your way around that hurdle, then that will just find a solution and that lifts you to the next level of where you're going to get to. It makes where you're going to clearer, the path to get there clearer, and helps you communicate it better. It's a bit like our journey this year. <laughs> um, take climate change, for instance. 
it's a huge issue, right? There is no one solution for climate change. It's very um, complicated. Um, so we don't want to stifle our children with uh, this, this massive problem. It's about step by step trying to um, make improvements to it. Um, and if we don't address um, things like climate change, then the consequences to our children are going to be devastating. Um, so they need to, we believe, they need to know solutions and how to find solutions uh, to the problems that we're facing. I certainly know at the moment with everything that's going on in the Amazon forest that I sleep a whole lot better at night knowing that a green school graduate was the president of Brazil right now. So um, this is a time uh, when we have an unearthed opportunity for the families coming on board now that are authentic and want to provide a community of like-minded people. Um, additionally to opening up uh, Green School New Zealand as well, Michael and I are working on a, a further global mission because we believe that um, all schools should um, be moving towards the 21st century. So we're also opening up a school in South Africa in January 2021 and one in Mexico, um, in Tulum, Mexico in September 2021. Uh, by 2025, we hope to have six what we call iconic campuses. So New Zealand will be an iconic campus where it's built sustainably, um, everything about it is green school. Um, and from there, we want to then look at ways of how we can perhaps um, change some of the public system as well and um, influence how they teach as well. Um, so the education system as it stands is you know, a hundred year old system uh, and a great quote that Chris gave me a few weeks ago was that we have a 19th century curriculum being taught in 20th century buildings and 21st century students facing unprecedented or an undefined future. So Green School, at Green School we're building 21st century sustainably built um, buildings. We have a 21st century schools based curriculum and the children will thrive from this in an undefined future. They will have those tools that I spoke about to be able to deal with the unknown problems that they're going to face in our world. Our education model has been developed in response to what we believe is a critical need for rethinking education to align with global and local environmental, societal and economic challenges. Our transformative holistic approach is taught constantly through the lens of sustainability. So everything we do we put through this lens, including uh, telling the builders um, that they have to challenge every single supplier on how they supply our materials, what they do with offcuts and how they're recycling them, what they're packaging our products into. And on days when it's sunny, saying to them, you don't actually need to wrap our materials, it's okay, deliver them without any plastic wrap. So those, those steps and those ripple effect of how we're influencing hundreds of people already before even opening the school is um, a proud moment for me. Um, our, our graduates will be change makers um, and they are going to be deeply connected to our whenua, our land. Um, so now I want to leave you with a short video 
um, of what the campus will be looking like um, next year in 2020. So this is the car park here where you walk down the hill and onto the campus. They must be sprinting. Yeah, I know. Oh, wish they could slow that down. Uh, that's the teachers area. That comes along to the three pods you saw today. That's the container studio up the top there. past the hay cave, the gymnasium and the tropical house. So that's what you're going to see in a few months time. <laughs> I get buzzed out every time I see it. <laughs> um, and I also sort of Hold my breath, but the technology is going to work as we go flying across across the campus. We have new. Are you going to speak for us as well? Do you want to speak? No. Um, <laughs> sorry, we digress. Um, I always get a buzz when I hear what what we're planning to do. So that what we've tried to give you in the last eight and eight or nine minutes is an overview of where we're at and where we're going. Um, we're just going to pause for a moment and invite you to ask any questions you'd like to ask. Um, around the philosophy of the school, where, it's, where it came from, where we're intending to go. Uh, so with that in mind, are there any questions that people would like to ask at this point? You look like you've got a question. No, no. He wants to know if he can come. Oh, okay, he wants to know if he can come, I see. It's usually always a child that asks these questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kids are good at asking questions. They say, oh, I was a teacher once, and they say, wait seven seconds, and someone will crop up with a question on the seventh second, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll just pause. One question we did, just to, if, if you're thinking about what that question might be, one question which we did have last time was, who is this school for? And our short answer to that question is for everyone, one. So by that I mean, this isn't a school that's, that is anything to anyone, is something for someone, if that makes sense. And so what we're trying to do is figure out if your son or daughter wants to get somewhere, we want to work with them and with you to work out what that somewhere is and then work in that direction. Um, I had a question from a colleague before saying, well, what if they want to be um, going down the academic route? Great, go down that route. But similarly, if you don't want to go down that academic route, you want to go into a community development route or somewhere else, that's okay too. So we're going to be a school with the highest and most rigorous academic standard. Um, this year we had 26 graduates in the Bali School, um, finished year 13. Of those 26 graduates and uh, 
of those 26 graduates, we had 40 universities come to recruit the students rather than the students applying to the university. It was a bit of a switch. Um, and 100% of students over the last 11 years have got into the academic pathway of their choice, which isn't to say 100% of students have chosen to go down the academic pathway. Others have chosen not to. In fact, one girl decided that she was going to sail around the world on a plastic boat picking up plastic, um, which I thought was a better option and sounded better to me. Um, but, you know, choose your path. Anyway, that was a time filler. Any questions? I grew up in a traditional educational system that's all really familiar with. So I'm used to, you know, you show up at school, you do your hour of reading, an hour of math, an hour of history. I guess I'm just trying to get a vision of how I want to turn on the average day at I don't want to steal all of Mark's thunder into oh, my thunder sorry, at the moment, but, but um, broadly expressed, there's three different types of learning. What we're trying to develop in learners is the will, the skill, and the thrill of learning. So we want students to want to learn, we want to develop in students the skills to learn, and then have them experience the thrill of learning, and we want them to understand surface knowledge, to deepen that knowledge, and then to be able to transfer that knowledge into different contexts, broadly expressed. Holy Grail would be where students can transfer their learning into different contexts and have a buzz doing it. Um, more pragmatically, to your point, broadly expressed, and Mark and I will pick up on this and tell me if I um, speak against anything, is that in the mornings there is a curriculum, basic literacy, numeracy, there are core skills that students need to learn. They need to learn to read and write to the best of their ability. So there is explicit teaching of core curriculum but there's also thematic teaching where they can apply that learning across a theme. So if we're going to go to the ocean and surf, which they did um, for a term, they would go and surf, they would learn resilience and mindfulness, but through that they might also learn to write about their experiences in the surf. Um, they would pick up and count the rubbish along the way as to employ social science investigation. Um, they might, um, and they did, partner with the NEWA scientists to say, well, what's the ocean and currents to align to the maths curriculum? So when you look at the curriculum, you'll see something that looks familiar. There are times where we do stuff, but there's unstructured times where we allow for students to follow their passion. That? Yeah. And pick up with these guys at the end. One more, and then we're going to jump... Scholarship systems? Yeah, so Bale is currently an 8% scholarship program. Um, we're currently um, discussing with Iwi and Papu how um, our scholarships um, will work. They're not necessarily going to be purely based on um, uh, Māori people, but it'll be for um, anyone um, within New Zealand um, that um, is, is in as fortunate to be able to come. Um, so we're just working through what that's going to look like in New Zealand. We also have, uh, we want to open the school up at 3.30 to 4.30 to other schools um, where they can come in and learn green studies for instance. Um, so rather than going to perhaps a dancing or a gymnastics class, they can come to Green School New Zealand and learn green studies um, and we can put on different um, topics. Um, each term for, for the schools. So I talk about parking the school bus outside a different suburb, locally in town, to be able to pick the kids up at three o'clock and bring them out to us um, as part of our community outreach. So a lot of that's um, currently in discussions on how we're going to, to 
to achieve that, we've just had our um, charitable trust um, status approved, um, and we're working um, with a few different groups on on how we fund that as well. Um, but it's certainly part of the goal. Um, we won't be at eight percent immediately, <laughs> but we hope to get there. Well, we hope to get to ten percent. One more. Hope not. <laughs> um, I hope they get dirty and muddy and wet and, and they have to change their clothes at some point during the day, ideally. Um, Chris Edwards said, I hope this is a school where kids feel okay to climb a tree and it's okay if they come out of it and it's okay if they come back to the classroom with a bit of mud on their, on their shoes and, and whatever. So, no. Short answer. Mike, unless you wanted to have a uniform. I think that if you'd like to turn up with a uniform, you can. Any kind of uniform that uh, that makes you feel comfortable. Bali is having this conversation right now, so that's why I'm interested in it. They're having it with the children and the community. And there are economic reasons for a uniform. So, of course, we will have um, green school t-shirts. You've seen the green school t-shirts and the green school hoodies. So that could be considered an option for, for dressing in a uniform. For those that want to express their individuality, uh, they're most welcome to do that as well. Um, I don't know whether I'm uh, pushing my luck right now, but I take leadership from Leslie Medema, who is uh, the head of learning at Green School Bali. Mm. And Leslie is uh, the only teacher um, well, one of few teachers that gives me goosebumps. And Leslie is connected with the students. She was asked this during a recent um, visit. Tell us about school uniforms, what's your position on school uniforms? And she, she replied that in Bali, not necessarily here, but in Bali, the only requirement is to cover your genitals. So, Everything that we do is intentionally different because we intentionally want to achieve a different result. Uh, so the answer to the question is, like many of the questions, very dynamic, that yes, we have green school clothing, green school track pants and green school jackets in the winter and green school umbrellas then uh, green school t-shirts which are great and lots of kids wear their green school stuff every day at green school Bali campus but also a lot of the children wear um, shorts that may very well um, challenge your beliefs on what's appropriate and, and, and fashion at school and that's great because schools for the child um, and they are the future and we're going to free them from their previous conditioning and programming, and they're going to be able to wear whatever they like. Answer that one? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. Okay, we're going, we're going to move on because I I'm, I'm want to be respect, respectful of your time this afternoon. And so we're going to move on to talking about what is this looking like for a student in a classroom, what do they learn, how do they learn it, and, and how is the curriculum structured? And so there's not two better people in the room to get to do that than our foundational staff, Mark and Di. Um, and so I'd invite Mark and Di, are going to take about 10 minutes just to talk you through what are the Green School values, 
what are the areas that we design the curriculum around and what does learning look like through the eyes of students and if you can do that in 10 minutes that would be awesome. Good luck. Kia ora everyone, kōtara naki te maunga, kōwai paratea Ko Dennis Maynard, tōku Matua, ko Sylvia Mendoza, tōku Whaia, uh, ko Piripi Hoskin, tōku Tāne, ko Cooper, Rawa, ko Kayan, Akutama, ko Diana, tōku Ngā, ngā mei nui, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, just a little bit of background about myself and Mark. We've both been in, in education past 16 or so years now. Um, both taught locally um, within New Zealand, and internationally, which has been wicked. So prior to Green School Valley, um, our journey, Mark and I were RTLB, which are Resource Teachers of Learning and Behaviour. Um, so that has been an awesome journey for us, just supporting both kayako within Taranaki, Bano, and students who kind of don't really fit in that box and kind of need that support. We were able to do that. Um, and this time last year, we were, got the opportunity to head over to Green School Valley. That's where we kind of were. We were pretty happy. We were pretty happy with our um, jobs as RTLB. But then coming to Green School Valley and seeing these inspiring teachers, um, teachers who weren't burnt out, are enjoying what they were doing, are passionate, students who are confident and um, expressing their feelings, um, and just the campus itself. It was pretty cool to be able to see kindergarten children doing daily mindfulness, practicing yoga in this beautiful studio with a soundscape, and then also seeing the state-of-the-art kind of technology happening, laser cutters and solar-powered maths lessons going on in another area. It was crazy. Being able to have the parents on site um, was beautiful, seeing the community get involved with activities. Mark's got a beautiful example he's going to talk about where parents and the community were just involved in particular um, projects happening on site and having the spaces to do that. Um, the classrooms themselves were really cool, I mean even the tables and how they were structured, bringing them together. There were some cool things happening in mainstream education. And it was actually cool to see that in Green School Valley. They're actually doing some of the stuff, um, like with the proficiency, teaching the maths and the English and the programs that we were doing here. That still happens over there, but there's some extra components, some beautiful programs that are going on that are quite unique and different. We would love to continue and talk about all the cool things happening and the things that are quite unique. If you haven't had a chance to um, have a look at the professors, there's some extra info about some of the really unique programs and opportunities that are available. Um, but otherwise, Mark and I'll be happy to talk to you guys a little bit later as well about some of those things happening. I'm going to touch on the I respect values, and this excites me because this is considered just as important as your proficiency, just as important as your maths and English, that scope and sequence stuff. I respect values lie there and it's really important. I'm going to give you some examples of how that comes into play. Oh, sorry, I'll go back one more. So these values are of integrity, responsibility, empathy, sustainability, peace, equality, community and trust. And what we've done this year, like Rachel was saying, we've got our little discovery group at the moment. So we're 
for being able to teach these skills explicitly. So yes, we still do that scope and sequence stuff, but within our lessons, we're able to really explicitly teach some of these values. And I'm just trying to go the wrong way, sorry. One of the examples um, is our Tuhura Discovery Day. And Tuhura is where we have one day going exploring into the community at times, and we went surfing, utilising, as some of you might know, Daisy Day and Charles Gibson out Fitzroy. And so we were able to tick the box of, yep, PE, health, wellbeing, hauora, tahatinana, got that ticked off. But the most important thing that we wanted to focus on were those values. So what occurred on the day using these green school values? Well, we were using the value of community. We had that community goal, working together as a team, problem solving within the little, we would do little workshops beforehand. And we had to talk about responsibility, another I respect value. So we had to be responsible for ourselves, not only in the water, making sure we knew who was around us to keep ourselves safe. And yep, we made mistakes. Um, and that was awesome because we got to come back and refocus, knew we should, probably shouldn't have gone that way. I got drifted right out, um, almost to Australia, and I've still got a little bit of big mark not helping me out there. But I was showing my I respect value of peace because in that workshop beforehand, we did a whole lot of work on resilience, so breathing, um, breathing techniques, uh, visualisation. So if we got into a tricky spot, not just in the surf, we could use these strategies in the classroom, we could use these strategies at home. Um, these are the things, the values that we could use in all contexts. And so it was beautiful to be able to do that and to highlight that and to show the students that, you know, we've been practicing all of this. Empathy. Empathy is another I respect value and we were doing that. The kids, I had seven kids surrounding me because I, this is my first time surfing as well, learning how to surf out in the surf with me, showing this uppy, they knew I was freaking out, there were other students freaking out, they could feel that, they could see that, and that was good for us to express, you know, we, you have to label it, you have to talk about it, and you have to show each other that we're here for each other, and, which is what we did, having all these kids, go Dido, you can do it, you can catch that wave. The first whole lesson, I did not catch a wave, I couldn't stand on the board, I felt stink. And they all saw it, and that was okay, because then they gave me the uppy, that support, that encouragement. I did the same with some of them who'd never been surfing before, and yeah, by session two, I nailed it. So yeah, that kind of stuff, the values that come from these kind of learning experiences, just magic. Um, this, this is another cool experience where our Tukuta team went out with, again, utilizing our community, Steve Malloy out Okato, and we did some limestone carving, um, so that was pretty cool. This is another one that I wanted to share because Mark and I set up uh, experience where we wanted the students to focus on the value of trust. Trust and empathy, because at the beginning of the year it was totally new for us, so we knew that we had a lot of fears about the year ahead. We wrote those fears down on some driftwood, and like you went down to the beautiful hour that, um, today, we were on the rocks. Mark did a beautiful mindfulness session where we kind of took in our surroundings. 
and we talked in the classroom beforehand about what those fears were. Some of them shared them, some of them didn't, and that was fine. And it was just making sure that the students knew that their feelings were valid and that we were there for each other and that we'd come across these fears probably during the year and that we would just up each other if we needed to. And to be able to stand on the rocks and then just float those fears away, it was a really beautiful experience just for the students and for Mark and I to see that happening and to see just a little bit of release, you know? It was like, oh, and they got to float their little fears away. We walked down and, um, and saw them um, trickle down the hour there. And it was just a really beautiful experience. So that connection, um, the values that come from all of that are just gorgeous. So that was one of my favorite things. Wanted to leave you with this example of just another thing that we do. Uh, we do mindfulness every day, every morning. Um, and this is just an example of um, gaining a sense of peace. years ago myself and um, I saw these birds were coming across um, up in the clouds and so I said that the students were all asleep or eyes closed I said and you'll sense some birds flying across and you'll feel the wind coming because I could see the trees rustling mm. anyway it, we're all in the zone it was great and then my teacher aide fell asleep and I had to wake her up and say we'll finish the mindfulness stuff now <laughs> um, but beautiful be beautiful um, before Mark does his thing, any any questions? Just if there's anything top of mind, um, Mark's going to delve into the structure of the curriculum. But anything on the philosophy or of the curriculum, just off the back of um, dies. Anything? Cool. The last last one we're going to do. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, seven seconds. I only got to, I only got to four. Sorry. <laughs> Sight words basically, and if you, if you learn differently, you kind of 
deeply lost in the system. So the brain school is embracing many different types of learning for the children, I understand, but yeah. just I'm more interested in that as well, having a uh, very dyslexic child. So yeah. how I guess so we're pretty lucky that we have that ratio of 1 to 7, yeah. 1 to 10, which yeah. is fantastic. So that allows us to definitely individualise the programme. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we are all about removing barriers. Yeah. So that's what we want to do. And I guess it's lucky that Mark and I have got that RTLB experience where we can support the staff um, and ensuring that we've got programmes that will help our um, Akunga. At the moment, when we are taking in the admission um, process there, is a section where you can put in a lot of the detail about your child. So we're already having transition meetings with some of those um, whānau so that we can definitely develop some collaborative action plan meetings. Um, Hoi working with the, with the parents and making sure that we can put a good plan together to support that learner with whatever behaviour or learning difficulties they may have. I was working at the other end as well that we've had some <laughs> students who have presented us twice gifted often or gifted in a certain area, and so similarly, um, if, a, if a student has a gift, then we also want to be thinking how do we, you know, push them to, or not push them, that's not the right word, but how do, how do we support them to be the best person they can be as well? So I think, you know, we, we're looking at both ends of a spectrum, if you want to be put it that way, but we're not talking about a spectrum, we're talking about every kid in their own way being the best they can be. humans and a good human is, is rounded mm. and they're more it's more than literacy it's more than numeracy it's how they live their lives um, and I guess that's what we're trying to do is, yeah. is support students to to do that and so with that in mind Mark's got five minutes he's going to now take it into a little bit of nuts and bolts of what does this thing look like and then at the end of that five minutes we'll open it up to the floor um, we've got Mike and Rachel at the back who can talk vision mission purpose the future. We've got Kimmin, who some of you met earlier, who was the guy who found the rainbows and the waterfalls. He was the guy who found the site way back at the beginning. Amy's outside um, wearing a green shirt as well, admissions. 
got um, Jaron who I didn't introduce you uh, myself on the educational side and these guys as our foundation teachers so once we've got through the next couple of minutes um, then we'll just invite you to ask us anything you like and we'll do our best to answer it and if we don't know the question and if you haven't come up with one by then I've got one. oh you got one <laughs> The, the more questions we get asked, the, the more we encourage us to think about the answer. So um, we encourage you to, to to give us whatever is top of mind. So with that, last bit. That's four minutes. You've got four minutes. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Kia ora, my name is Matua Mark. Um, I'm here to talk a little bit about the Green Skills skills. But before I do that, I would like to tell you about my journey to get here. So it started at a party, because I'm a musician and I was playing in a band. And that guy in the back of the room was dancing. And when I got off stage, um, Mike and Rach approached me and said, oh, do you want to be part of this amazing new Green School? It's gonna have waterfalls and rainbows like Chris was talking about. And I was immediately connected to them. Um, and their relationship, I could see to what they were trying to do, was powerful and strong and passionate. And so that's what I wanna talk about because that's what got me here, was connection and relationships. Because I think those are the most important things in life and in education. So these are the green school skills, boom. Okay, so they basically, equate to what you would be the, the key competencies, core competencies in New Zealand curriculum. Okay, but there's a few things that are a bit different in here. One of them is right in the middle, awareness. So as a RTLB, I spent years working with students who had dyslexia and dyspraxia and um, all kinds of learning disabilities and impulse control and some kids who just didn't have the basic needs met so they turned up to school unable to learn. So looking for pathways for these children and how to cope with what their difficulties were and what their issues and learning abilities were. So one thing that I found that was in common was that just about all of them had some sort of anxiety around the context of school. And um, so when they would come to school, that anxiety was heightened. So I just kept coming back to the idea that the only way to really address that for a human being, for any human being, is to know yourself and to be able to engage in the practice of mindfulness so that you can go inside yourself and address those feelings. So shut out the stimulus of everything that's happening and actually be aware of what you're feeling and how you can deal with it. So in the green school skills, that is, in the, that is baked into the pie. So that is something that we practice every day. So that is a relationship and a connection with thyself. So that, for me, that's where it starts. Because if you can't connect with your own feelings and you can't manage your own emotions, then life's gonna be a struggle and definitely education's gonna be a struggle. Kiroto, within, the connection from within. So mindfulness is practiced, like I said, every day. And here's one example of how it's practiced in Green School Bali. So there's this beautiful gong that sits in the middle of the heart of school. And the Green School campus in Bali is pumping. There's like 
heaps of stuff going on, music lessons, marimba, and there's usually construction and gardening and learning and singing and all these things. So the campus is humming from, from nine, to, nine to three. So at two o'clock after lunch, every day they ring this huge big gong and the vibrations go out over the school. And what everybody knows that when they hear that gong and it rings three times, that that is your time to go within and connect with thyself and breathe. Just do it with me now. In through your nose. And out. And it refocuses you. And I saw this amazing thing happen with this. In this class. With this kid who was, it was a year 12 class, 16, 17 years old. The kids are working away and the gong goes off. And the kids breathe. I opened my eyes and I saw this one girl look over to her friend and just say, I love you. And for me, that brought it right back to what it's all about. Okay, these kids are connecting with each other on a deeper level. Having that time to connect with themselves and then with others. That's beautiful. So, the connection with thyself. Be aware. Be aware of thyself. This one here is also not addressed in the New Zealand curriculum. This is the ability to think in systems. That is the systems that we interact with every day. Social systems and economic systems and environmental systems. These systems that we don't even think about, we aren't even conscious of, but we interact with them every day. So this thinking in systems, teaching our little individuals that they are a tiny but crucial part of that system, of all those systems. And they have the ability and the power and the responsibility to find those fulcrums, those points, those pivot points within those systems where they can be agents of change. And they can see how trends can affect this, that and the other through that sustainable lens of economics, social, nature and self. So they are a tiny part, and they are an agent of change, and you can do that. Not when you leave school and get a job and get a house and get married, then you can do something. You do it now, while you've got the energy, and while you've got the support around you. So that's a beautiful thing that exists within these green school skills. <coughs> Basically, they look, they, it, it's kind of like you, and this side of it is discovery. So you think critically. This is activate, and this is more reflect. Okay, so that's how the three forms, how they play out in, in those green school skills. Kiroto, awareness, kiwaho, outside of yourself. Thinking in systems, relationships and connections. So that's the compass that we were talking about before that's been referenced a couple of times. So sustainability is not just nature and environmental sustainability, there's other areas as well. So here's an example of systems thinking and how it works and how I saw it happening in Bali. And to Rachel's point about pioneers, you actually have to come to help build the school. It's not going to be there when you arrive. We're all going to have to pitch in and build it. But what happens when you get that ownership is that it creates a passion and authenticity for what it is that you're doing. And it, and it 
creates authentically. So I was walking through Bali campus, we were lucky enough to be sent over there to do some professional development. I was walking through the fields, this is there's playing fields normally, and I saw this construction going on, I was like, wow, that's pretty good, the kids have been working in the heat, 32 degree heat for the last four hours, there's a bit of resilience there, that's awesome. Next day, same thing happens, and the curiosity got the better of me. I was like, what are these kids doing? Some wood tech program, I wasn't quite sure, but curiosity got the better of me, so I... So I went over and I said, oh, what are you doing there? And the answer that he gave me blew me away. So this guy was like, well, you see that little hub over there? And there was like, see, it was like a minute, this is a miniature version. These are the guys designing the little hub. So within the school, there's a lot of solar power and hydro that they're, that they're harvesting from the environment. Okay, so the, the, the children knew they were, that, that they were getting a lot of, power from the environment through solar and hydro um, and that they were using some of it but they weren't sure how much and where they were getting it from and where it was being spent. So what the students did in this year 12 class was they collaborated, another green school skill, with a, a bunch of post-grad German university students. So they created a hub, a high-tech network that monitored all those incoming and outgoing power. So they centralised it so they knew exactly where it was coming from and how it was being spent and how that resource. So they had to house it. So the whole school got together, the kids designed this, it's an ancient kind of um, hut. So they covered the state of the art technology in this ancient technology. All the kids getting their hands dirty, all being part of it. It takes a village to raise a child, and this is what these guys are doing. There it is, in all its glory. How beautiful is that? Ha! The problem was it cracked. So it was gonna leak, right? In the rainy season, once a, month, uh, once a year for a month, it rains hard out of Bali. So they were like, okay, well, what do we do about this, you know? Problem solving, another green school skill. Okay, so what they came up with was, oh, that's a different picture. What they came up with was they were going to build another roof and put some more solar panels on it so it would cover that hut and also increase the power flow. And I thought that was so amazing. So right at the end of the day, we're over there um, and I see they've got their scaffolding and I look over and there's parents and teachers and kids and staff and everyone who's there over raising this huge scaffolding to put over above that hut. And it was an osh nightmare because half the kids were in bare feet. And, you know, it was a dangerous operation, but it was very well handled. And I thought, as I went over and joined the ropes, I thought that this is one of the most authentic experiences in teaching that I've ever been a part of because these kids are actually building the school. And I, I can't think of anything more powerful than that. And like I said before, if you give ownership to a child, then you create passion for the project. And you also create authentic learning and a respect for your school. And that's what the Green School can offer. And it's amazing. Mike um, quoted Joni Mitchell earlier on, Paid Paradise to put up a parking lot. Well, I'll put another Joni Mitchell quote in before I sing you guys a wata. 
It is from her song Woodstock and it says, we are stardust, we are golden, we are billion year old carbon and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. And that's what Green School's doing. So we're going to sing you a little song. It's called Tukua. Please sing with us if you know it. Um, it's about returning um, to the old ways. minutes open, open floor ask us anything you like and then there's a little bit of food outside um, we've also got uh, some clothing which um, Rachel Mike might be able to explain the background to the clothing and some pledge bowls so I'll do the pledge bowls first over there we've gone down to the river we've connect, collected some pebbles and we're just asking you to have a look at the pledges and make a personal commitment today we want to know that there was something that happened today that made you do something different. So we'd invite you to take a pebble, to choose a pledge and put it in, and just make a personal commitment to doing something. Chances are a lot of you are doing all of them already. Um, then we will take those pebbles back down to the river and to their original state. Secondly, we have uh, a couple of our girls, our Discovery Girls um, students outside, who are fundraising. They're looking to... Um, do a project next year where they're going to be um, providing school uniforms to students in India. And so, um, Di, if you, do you want to paraphrase just the background of that story? Oh, Sahara is actually right here. Uh, do you want to paraphrase it, Sahara? Sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, if you want to, everyone wants to hear. Oh, yeah. Just very briefly, though. <laughs> so it's a, it's a story that I was told by Rachel in term one and I thought it was really inspiring. It's basically just about how these two kids from Bali Green School, Dali and Finn, um, basically just changed um, what they were doing about school uniforms in India. She told me that once a year, you know, they went to India and they, they did that, you know, annually. So they made all these friends there. And it was a really beautiful experience that happened and they looked forward to. And then one year when they went back, um, you know, they couldn't find their friends anymore at the school that they went to that their parents were volunteering at. And they 
you know, they asked around and they um, ended up finding out that their friends weren't there anymore and they had to go get <laughs> jobs in factories at the ages of like 12 and 13 years old. Because in India, when you turn 13, they stop, you know, giving you funds for uniforms. And they're only $10, but over there, to them, that's a lot. So Darlene Finn, they were like, oh, you know, what can we do about that? We don't want that to be, you know, our friend's reality. So they went back to their mom and they asked them and they said, oh, you know, like, what can we do? Can you give us some money? Their parents were like, oh, you know, is that very sustainable? Because that's what green school's all about. And so they came up with the idea to make a brand of clothing, which is right over there. And what they do is every four items of clothing they sell, a uniform is given to a child in India so that they can can continue their schooling. And that's basically um, what that company is all about. I don't know if I did a good job of explaining yeah, If I could talk like you did at your age, I would have been stoked. That was awesome. Um, so if you do want to support that, that would be brilliant. Um, questions? Is there any, anything that anyone would like to ask about anything? And then we're going to close up. I'm interested as a male, I suppose, and, and mm. you know, what it would cost to send a child to a school for a year. Because I, I would have thought that would be one of the first questions that anyone could ask. Mm. I mean, we, you've presented your side of the case well, but... It's $16,000 more than going to the school down the road. Mm. And grandparents are more than welcome to pay for their grandchildren to attend. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at <clears throat> the cost of the public system and we're confident that we're significantly less in the high school age groups than what it costs us as taxpayers to educate a single child. And we believe that we're delivering a lot more. So um, we have some passionate, wonderful teachers in the audience today, and we, we've received a lot of CVs from New Zealand teachers. It's important to us that it's a New Zealand experience for our international guests. Um, but you add up the facilities um, and the quality of opportunity that the children have, and we're very, very happy at $16,500 uh, per registration for New Zealand children. Um, at that rate, we uh, lose money. I want you all to know that this is not, uh, this is the worst commercial consideration we've ever undertaken. Um, but that's because we didn't start it with that in mind. This is a chance to give back. Um, 32 companies that Rachel and I have run prepared us for this um, chance to give back. Uh, international students will be considerably more than that in the $40,000 neighbourhood. Um, it's important that we sometimes reference these numbers because they're enormous. Uh, and for example, if you break it down, around about $60 a day. Now my friends in Auckland, admittedly it's not New Plymouth, but in Auckland, are paying $75 a day for their children to attend a YMCA babysitting service over the school holidays, I mean activity sessions. So that's basically where you send your child and they're kept confined until you return from work. So um, yeah, we're very uh, excited about the quality 
that we're providing and we're also conscious of the cost as well. And we're, we're, we're committing to deliver far more than you would get globally for that kind of money. It's true that some of our, uh, excuse me, Melbourne customers are used to spending $20,000 for a preschool per term. That's difficult for me to understand, coming from Stratford um, and, uh, and attending, and my children attending a local school for $150. But I'll go back to what my parents taught me when they chose to send me and my big brother and my sister to what they believe were the best schools here in town and spent absolutely everything they had. There'll be some people who are fortunate enough to not um, hesitate at those prices, and then there will be my favourite kind of parent, and that is the one that sacrificed everything to attend. So in Bali, you get your billionaires, and you get folks that are sacrificing everything and just scraping by by renting their home in, in Sydney while they're away. But um, it was said once uh, by one of our friends that the great leveller between the billionaires and those that are making the sacrifices, well, they're all, everyone's making sacrifices. And that is that, um, you know, we all use the same long drop together. So um, we want to have an environment whereby everyone is acknowledged, whether or not you turned up from Silicon Valley uh, is irrelevant. And if you did, then you better be prepared to teach a couple of technology classes along the way. So it's a lot of money, sir. Um, we, uh, we have searched the world for pricing, New Zealand-wide uh, and, and internationally, and we're well below what you would expect to pay for a private international school anywhere else on the planet. Um, we, can, we, can, we can get to free, we just have to spend a few decades building our charitable foundation. Uh, and in that sense, uh, you know, there, it, it is going to be for those um, that can manage to achieve it. And yes, the truth is we do have some grandparents that have decided that it's something they would like to give their grandchildren as well. Um, of the 610 different families, they're all a mix of different um, uh, situations, and 475 teachers will further en enrich that opportunity. So, um, any other questions about that? Did I miss anything on price? And I agree with you. My friends here will tell you that whenever there's a question session and no one says anything, I always yell out from the back, how much? Because <laughs> it is a very important question. Thank you for it. Okay, so you were right. talking about having uh, a community uh, on the other side of the road. Uh, I take it that Yes, so one of the challenges we face is housing uh, guests from Wellington or from Washington. So uh, when, when you look at the available rentals, I think at one stage there was only 70 rentals available. Lots of them have fallen into um, Airbnb. So the challenges there of pulling houses out of Airbnb and looking for accommodations. And then on top of that, we have the, uh, the foreign buyer obstacles to get through as well. So um, uh, 
we want to replicate as best we can the success of Green Village in Bali. Um, if you'd like, please do search Green Village in Bali. They are five-storey high bamboo buildings built by Abuku, our friend Alora, that overhang precariously the river valley. We're not allowed to do that here. Um, but we do want to build um, a community based around uh, sustainable living, and we're yet to decide on if that is $2 million villas handmade out of mud and cob and recycled native timbers, or perhaps the tiny home movement is better suited to us. So we want to open the school, catch our breath. Rach and I were actually planning on maybe having a holiday at some stage in the near future, in the far distant future, and then coming back and partnering with um, a developer that knows the answers to all these questions. Because the last thing we want to do is be distracted from the priority of a school by going off and becoming uh, developers with, with no experience. So if you know friends that build unique homes, that create communities, we're reaching out to them now. We're, we're looking at um, a new kind of communal living, very different than the old perception of what that means. Um, so there will be an, an amount of privacy in these in these um, in this environment that we build, but at the moment we have uh, a vision, we have willing travellers, and we have a paddock to place the houses. I would say it's going to take us at least six months even to get um, the resource consent to put a single dwelling anywhere on the farm. Uh, and when we do that, we're not going to build. Um, uh, 10 acre lifestyle blocks with a group home built four bedroom brick and tile sitting perched on the hill. These are going to be extremely unique homes and they're going to be fully adventurous. Guess so what? they will be more likely down, sheltered from the wind like we were today. Um, they're more likely um, to be lower impact and perhaps even a place that you come for an adventure as opposed to, to live, live at. The, the average person at Green School Bali, uh, Green Village, stays for about five, six years maximum, and then hands it over to the next family coming through. The number of houses there, I've heard at the pub, someone told me I was building 40 houses up Kora Road. I'm not building 40 houses up Kora Road. Um, the maximum we're talking about um, being allowed to have is a dozen at the very, very most, and they'll be small footprint homes that are nestled off the back of the road as opposed to another avenue of homes. I guess the other key the key to that as well was we did have the opportunity to think, do we have international students as billeted or homestayed or so forth? No. We want families to commit to Green School, not just the student. We want families, their parents being part of the community from the outset and so that's key to this the way that we're approaching the enrolments as well. So not, not, a build, not a boarding school. Green School Bali tried boarding. Um, it's a huge responsibility. Uh, expectation management is through the roof, security, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and of course mum and dad are absent, but we want mum and dad to be present. Um, and so instead of that, Green School Bali has something called the Green Camp. So it's something that you can all go and experience. You enrol as a family. You go, you, you're in a bamboo yurt for a, up to a week and you um, and you enter into the green school community um, for well for a look to experience a little bit of what the magic is um, and green camp is something we want to do here as well 
Now this young man at the front has been waiting to, to share his question with us. Who, who do you want to ask, me or Mike or one of the oh, teachers? Uh, um, is there going to be a Kapahaka group? Ooh, good question. Did you guys get that at the back? Is there going to be a Kapahaka group? Yes. Kapahaka. Where you go? Matua Mark? Yes. We're going to be um, as tiao Māori as we can be. And that will include Waiata and the Kamaka. Um, and we've already, our students have already done Taiha. Um, so, yeah, we're going to, be, we're going to use Kamaka as um, the amazing um, learning opportunity that it is and performance. So, some adults talk about making um, Māori uh, compulsory. They say things like that. Is it going to be compulsory? Um, we're actually looking forward to um, to the adventure of, of learning as opposed to prescribing. None of the kids know what compulsory or non-compulsory means. So we're going to speak Maori on the on the campus, okay? Um, and we we reached out to local hapu and iwi in the very first instance. I mean, we're next to the Korupa, which is um, up to a thousand year old. Um, place of human occupation, the, the oldest in New Zealand. So we were integrating with them and then we stumbled upon and were encouraged to be our own hapu, to be the halfway up the river hapu. <laughs> and so rather than joining in other kapahaka and learning their protocols and hearing their stories, our goal is to develop our own stories, become our own hapu um, and have our own protocols. As well. Good question. Good question. Should get the kids up here to do that. Yeah. Do that. So what are the enrolments looking like? Yeah, so we're fully oversubscribed. Um, in, the, in the beginning, you know, like any party you've ever put on, not too sure whether everyone's going to turn up. But um, yeah, the anxiety of having a big flash school with no children has has uh, departed. So we're fully oversubscribed. Much like, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, but it, it constantly amazes me in a teacher shortage um, that we had 475 CVs turn up without advertising. So um, yeah, it's a it's a big surprise. Most of our most of my personal initiatives have always been a decade a bit early. Um, or, or a, a scientific application that the world's not quite ready for. <laughs> um, I feared that we were on a wave all by ourselves coming back from Bali, but when I landed here, I know that what we're talking about is happening at Girls High. I know that, what we're, what, that this stuff is being spoken about at most colleges across New Zealand. So we are now just part of a very big wave. We won't own education, but we will attempt to own sustainability. Um, so, yeah, oversubscribed. Which is exciting and really fun. So, will it still be oversubscribed through students or next year? Is that what you mean? That's correct. So, it means is it still worth applying? Absolutely. absolutely. Say that you're taking an intake on the term? Yes, absolutely, yep. yep. In the heart of um, admissions, Amy Stewart is here to specifically uh, help you navigate your application process and what your needs are. So we're starting with 55? 
and then term by term incremental um, increases in the role to about 120. So it would be the ones that you said over described, so they'd be the ones that they would just come onto a waiting list? Um, eventually, yes. Bali has a waiting list of 150 children um, and uh, building to over 700. It's a very different community than what we arrived at three years ago. We're going to need maybe 350 students. So it grew very rapidly. Yep. And that is why we decided to build other campuses and other locations as well. But um, to allay your... your lay your concerns when I say oversubscribed I'm talking about expressions of interest and applications not enrolments yet. We're going to be very careful about who we enrol. So what is your process of enrolling people? Is it local or how does that uh, how, do you, how do you put a yeah, so when we first, on it? That's right, so how do you choose? Mm. <laughs> um, so the enrolment process if you, if you view it asks you additional questions to what you might get elsewhere. So for example, if you never ever gardened before and have no interest in gardening and never ate a green leaf, then it's probably not the school for you. So there'll be a little bit of self-selection as well. So you're talking about the parents? Yes, yes. So we want to qualify the parents as much as we want to accommodate the children. So that's a different approach than being a, a, a public, uh, excuse me, a private international school where we're just looking for next year's violinist out of China and we're going to do anything we can to fill that seat. Okay, so um, I'm determined, uh, having never run a school and not knowing anything about running a school, to never exclude a child from this community. But I won't hesitate to exclude adults as well. So the parents will have to sign a social license certain things will be acceptable. Different variations of free speech and social media um, communications will have to be understood before you, before you commit to this community. We're not being exterminated online in our first week. That I am positive of. So we'll be asking parents to sign up to a behaviour bond. Um, and uh, the other selection processes are within the open apply and the detail and the sophistication is available from Amy Wood. But that gives you a general idea that we, we, we are assessing the parents' enrol engagement and enrolment. Doesn't, you don't need to be a permaculture expert, but you at the very least need a, a wilted lettuce growing on the windowsill in your New York apartment. At the very least. One of, the, one of the things that I've loved, and Amy would probably support this as part of the application for the parents, is they say, this is how we can could contribute back to the school. And so we've had some people saying, I'm a scientist, I'd like to support science. We've had artists who want to do art, we've had, and so forth. And the other thing which I just love is that the students have the option to upload a video of why they'd like to be part of the school. So we encourage the, the students to look at the site, to look at what we're about, and there's been videos of you know, these beautiful young people picking up rubbish on off the beach in Fiji, was it, Amy? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Hi, I'm Elsa, and I'm going to save the world. <laughs> and you're like, awesome. Um, so it's, it's about fit. Um, but we also um, accept that different students have different needs. So there'll be kids with dyspraxia, or there'll be kids who are twice gifted, or there'll be kids who are d gifted. So in the application process, which Amy picks up, 
we say tell us as much as you can about you and about your student and we have to feel confident that we can meet their needs. Yeah, we'll be enrolling the children that we can look after at the time of the enrolment. So year three, we will be stronger. Year 10, we will be stronger than year one. And we've got to be yeah. careful not to take on more than that. And, and I just want to make one clarifying comment for yourself as well around that have we reached capacity. What we're trying to do is, is have an even, you can appreciate we'd want an even spread across year levels. We don't want a bulge of year seven boys and no year two girls or yeah, whatever. Um, so what we're trying to do consciously is get a nice even distribution of students across year levels and genders and so forth. And so to your point, we might be like, at the moment we're right on the cusp of we've got enough boys at year seven, say. I'm not sure if it is particularly boys at year seven. And so we'll be trying to even that up by getting some more girls and so forth. So Amy's the best person to talk to to say where are things at by year level. And also we've, we've got expressions of interest of people saying actually maybe not term one but term four would work better for us or maybe 2021 rather than 2020. So it's a, it's a moving moving we were, feast. We were, we were um, taken back by being told by our executive teams that we we're on track to have the most successful school opening ever of any school anywhere, from zero to uh, 100 enrolments. The ego encouraged that to happen and, and so forth, but then pragmatism and duty of care and getting it right and, and dedicating ourselves to those first 50 uh, New Zealand kids and define what New Zealand Green School is and, and, and work together and then, um, then host those international students later on um, after there's been six months of, of learning and, and defining of who we are. So that was actually quite a, quite a, a positive outcome um, because we're really, we're, we're really dedicated to, to getting it right for that first cohort, building a really strong cohort that will go right through the school. Um, similarly, talking about age groups, we were, we were encouraged by those in, who created the brand who developed the curriculum not to enrol um, the year 13 straight away and have them spend six months here and go off into the wide world with their green school diploma because we want to make that green school, we want to continue to maintain that green school diploma. Um, and so we would like the children to have spent at least a couple of years in the green school curriculum, in the green school campuses globally before they present to universities and employers saying, I'm a green school graduate. Last last question, maybe maybe two. With the organic veggie garden, would that be encouraged for the community to kind of use it and cook their own food and the students to cook it with everyone else and eat it together? Or? I hope so, that sounds good. Right? <laughs> Absolutely, we want to feed the entire campus. So uh, 400 plus children, 100 plus staff, um, if we extrapolate out to the future, we would like our school lunches to be supplied from the campus. Um, Bali has permaculture courses, bamboo construction courses, gardening, that are all full all of the time from, from global enthusiasts. Um, we've already got them here. So we rang them and we said, hey, can you help us? And they said, are you kidding? You're from Taranaki, you've got the best of the best. So we have Kay Baxter, we have um, Jody Roebuck, uh, and we have um, several uh, high quality gardening uh, practitioners that are ready to help us now. 
We'll be using their facilities in the beginning, that's far more sustainable, and eventually we'll be bringing on our garden. So you can expect to see a fully functioning market garden inside of the first three years. But on day one, we'll have 150 fruit trees and we'll have enough, um, uh, enough garden, vegetable garden areas for the children to use as a learning resource. Bali's at uh, lunch is the percentage of food consumed on campus? About 60 something. So about 60% of the food uh, grown on the Bali campus is, um, it, it, it is for consumption for the school. We would like to get to 65, because we're New Zealand, we seem to be a little <laughs> wee bit better. Got win. Um, and we have to develop those protocols, you know. The last thing we want to do is hang a palm, free, palm oil free kitchen sign and then accidentally stop palm oil. So we have to get our policies and our procurement and our um, and, and and decide on what what is because there's lots of versions. What is a New Zealand Green School permaculture facility? What is it? What do we grow? Um, and how do we do that? Last one. Have you got a second one? Oh, really? <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> So folks, we're really privileged and flattered that you would uh, come and see our, our dream. Um, it's slowly becoming a reality. Uh, for, for you and hundreds of others to be uh, interested in what we're doing uh, only further encourages us to reach, uh, to reach further, to, to, to ask deeper questions. Although we're very certain on what the Green School brand is, we're not positive about what Green School New Zealand is quite yet. So we invite you to be part of that defining um, and development of the community. So thank you very, very much for your interest and your passion. Please understand you're always welcome. We will not have any gate at the front of our school, so you can just go up Koru Road and turn right and you're welcome any time you like. Um, there'll be lots of questions that you get at dinner parties and at, at pubs and clubs and, and so forth. You're now authorities and official Green School representatives, unpaid of course, volunteer. But you'll hear people say, oh, that's that boarding school up the road and they're building um, 400 new homes. No, 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 that's, that's that's other projects, that's, that's Chinese whisper. So we ask that you represent us as best you can. And in the absence of information, please call me directly. Our, our, our business cards are there, excuse me. Please um, grab those business cards. And if someone wants to find out why we're not a boarding school, just tell them to ring me and I'll tell them straight. So there's no need for rumor and rendo and mistrust and and complacency and all the rest of the things that us Kiwis are famous for. You can just wade straight in, I'll tell you the absolute truth straight up. Works easier that way, eh? Yeah. All right, so that there was just a bit of bonus content for you here at the Best Side Podcast uh, from our tour today that we got to take 
at the Green School New Zealand. Make sure if you want to check out more info, you head to their website, www.greenschool.org nz. On Facebook, you can check out Green School New Zealand and on Instagram at Green School NZ. You can also email thrivewithpurpose at greenschool.nz. Now, if you're listening to that whole thing, you would have heard them talk about how they really want it to be a community-focused effort, how they want people out there being hands-on. Any strengths, whether you're a teacher or not, is definitely going to be appreciated as they build their community. It's going to be some pretty epic stuff, as we said before. I hear a lot of people talking about how the education system needs a bit of a shake-up, and these guys are definitely here to disrupt that system and challenge uh, the traditional way of thinking when it comes to education. So keep an ear out for more. As always, please leave a review on Instagram. Uh, also leave a review on Facebook. Don't forget to tell all your friends what we're up to here with the Best Side Podcast.